If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. There's tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey everyone, my name is Luverda and I am the founder of Millennial Revealed. It's a community that I created to bring support, encouragement, and collaboration to millennials within the seven spheres of society. Just to recap quickly, the seven spheres are arts and entertainment, media, government, family, business, religion, and education. And today we have our um, a special guest. Um, it's a couple that I absolutely love, that I think are awesome. They're awesome ministers, they're awesome anointed family, and I love their entire family. And I couldn't wait to bring them on just to talk about themselves. So I want to introduce Luke and Janelle. <laughs> Hi guys, how are you? Good, good. great. Good, good. <laughs> so let's dive in just to talk about you both and Aiden. Um, how long have you both been married? We've been married come a couple of weeks, 10 years. Nice, nice. And how'd you guys meet? <laughs> we know each other since we were... We're in Sunday school. I was eight, he was nine. He sat behind me. And we've known each other before that because our parents went to the same church. Okay. It was our first real recollection of conversation, uh, which was more annoyance on my part, was eight, nine. Yeah, first conversation around eight, nine. Nice, nice. Okay, okay. So what, from, from eight and nine years old, I'm, I'm assuming you guys have kind of cultivated a friendship throughout that entire time. So what made it like this, this is it? Well, I would say it's a work in progress. Um, doing a little bit of subtraction, that's almost 30 years <laughs> of conversation and knowing each other on different levels. Um, I would say it would start off with just being friends. Um, uh, Sunday school mates, schoolmates. John was a year behind me in high school. We went to the same high school. Um, maybe she could tell you more. It's it's been quite a, a journey. A journey. Okay. Right. I'll break it down. So I was in Sunday school. I was going to another Sunday school in my neighborhood, but my dad wanted us to have both a combined Sunday school and church experience, where we weren't having to schlep ourselves um, in a, in, a, in a rush each Sunday. So we ended up at our home church in Guyana, um, Bethel Gospel Hall. Now they were an established family um, at this uh, church already. So, you know, I was now becoming familiar with the environment and he would just bother me every Sunday. I think, I think the, the, the first conversation that I had with him was that um, he was pulling on my pigtails. Of course. <laughs> and he, I turned around and I said, why are you so provocative? And he was like, I can't believe she said that to me. But By I, the way, at that time, I did not know what the word provocative meant. But I had a little Oxford dictionary at home. And um, I think that's probably one of the things that intrigued me about her. She had a pretty decent vocabulary at a very young age. So <laughs> I'm going to check that word out. 
<laughs> um, she was also my brother's. He's my closest sibling, uh, about a year and five months apart. He was in my brother. She was in my brother's nursery school class. Uh, you guys call that what? Pre pre K. Pre K. Um, so I kind of remember my first image of her was a picture of his nursery school class, and I remember us talking about her, and that was a long time ago. You could ask her on that story. Oh, I, not... oh I remember clearly. Uh, she had a beautiful gap, gap tooth. I still have it. It's right here. And um, she just looked so pretty. I mean, um, and I saw her since then, and I thought she was really cute. Okay. Thank and, you. Then uh, I bothered her in Sunday school. Yeah. And then, what should I say? We became boyfriend, girlfriend, 16, 17. Yeah, I'm not even quite sure how that happened. Um, oh, you asked me to prom. I said yes. Yeah, I asked her to my prom, and but, she was definitely the most beautiful woman at that prom. Okay. They wanted to crown her prom queen, but because she wasn't from my year, they couldn't, but she was by far okay. dressed and looked the finest. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so... The funniest thing about that whole prom situation is that he called my dad and he asked all formal like if he was asking for me to get married to him or something. I was like, that was a bit um, unnerving. He was just sitting in the bar. That's right. Like, and her dad was a very highly respected man in Guyana. And he's a very formal man. Like, <laughs> you know, he, you know. He is short in stature, but he is seven feet tall in reality. And he was very intimidating um, as I was growing up. Very strong, very powerful man. So, you know, if I'm inviting his daughter to prom, I just have to get it right. Um, so I try to do the right thing. Okay. Um, after that one. I think it's just fast forwarding for what we were to do after school. I mean, we both had our own plans. I wanted to do uh, pre-med, and I was accepted to the um, a medical school, full scholarship, and I turned it down. I will not advise anybody who's in this situation to do this. This is not my advice to you. So I turned it down, and I applied to several schools over here. Um, got into all of them that I applied to, but ended up going to uh, Brooklyn College. Yeah, my story is I'm a year ahead of her in school. So I got into colleges and did not go to college as well. Ooh, please. I do not recommend Don't do this. It's okay. That. But truth be told, maybe we would have maintained a relationship in that year while she was transitioning or staying in the Caribbean for med school. But we may not be here we together. Been I don't think we would be here together if we had not come to college. Right. So we ended up thinking our um, plans for college and we ended up coming to college Brooklyn College in 2004 January 29th or 30th yeah so <laughs> we've been um, trying trying to do life together since then um, yeah in a foreign country thousands of miles away and you know it, it was very hard it was very very hard um, but, you know, we had a lot of support, family support, um, friends, and, you know, we, 
we decided to wait uh, till after graduating college uh, to get married. So about two to three years after graduating college um, is when we, we got married. August 1st, 2010. love his and her stories because I can see the difference between her reaction and your reaction. <laughs> Those are the best. Yeah. Um, so tell me in your almost 10 years of marriage, how do you, how did you learn how to balance it all? What do you mean by balance? Um, balancing school and your relationship and then living in this foreign country um, even though having the support system, how did you learn to balance the dynamics of your relationship with all the different other demands that come upon? You want to take a shot? Sure. So first off, there's no such thing as balance. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I just said that first. Yeah. What is balance? Mm -hmm. We've tried the concept yeah. of balance. But balance is whatever you make it based on your life experiences, right. based on the season that you're in. You juggle the percentages and weights of the things that are in other words, priorities. we prioritize. Yeah, we prioritize what is most important at a specific time That's right. and place. Um, and yes, we will have competing um, goals and um, needs, but you take it one day at a time or hour, however it works, really. Um, but it's a, it's a constant. Um, Recalibration. Recalibration, because we we have to always talk to each other, communicate about what needs to get done and when or how. Um, because, you know, we, we may individually think that something is important to get done, but it might not be urgent. Mm -hmm. So we have to learn the difference between what's, what's important, what's urgent. <laughs> wow. Um, that's a teaching lesson right there. By yeah. The you can Google important yeah. urgent. There's a matrix out there. there. There's a big difference between and, and an important see. task and an urgent task. Mm -hmm. And constantly uh, measuring and figuring out what is important versus urgent will right. help you um, or help us. And in the box of important and urgent is the most important things. Yeah. Right. It's a, it's a quadratic type matrix that you should check out. Okay. Um, what else? I mean, Aiden is a huge current priority. Um, we've had to balance school. We've had to balance multiple businesses. We've had to balance full-time professions. Um, you know, gone are the days of the 50s and 30s when there's one person, um, you know, working and making ends meet for a family, you know, like Husbands and wives are both working people for, for the majority of households. And that's tough, you know. Uh, truth be told, since we've been married, we've not had a lot of personal time, just the two of us. Um, Aiden coming into the picture think, yeah. um, has definitely made that that much more complicated. So we haven't figured this out. We're still trying to figure it out. Uh, couples who have date nights and stuff, good for you. We don't. We're still trying to figure that we out. We take too. it as it goes. <laughs> and we just came back from a week-long vacation. We're good. So here's the thing. Um, what I have learned to figure out is when to ask for help and not being um, – I don't lag anymore when it comes to realizing I'm, I'm maybe in over my head. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm much faster with saying, hey, you know, 
this thing, I can't really pull it off by myself. I need support. Um, and so I definitely appreciate my, uh, my, my parents, right. my parents. I mean, they're not <laughs> babysitters or anything of the sort, but um, if I'm in a really tight squeeze, <laughs> I can call on them, you know. Um, They've been the most amazing caregivers you can ever have. Yeah. They've been instrumental in giving us balance with taking care of Aiden from the minute he popped out to even now. Yeah. Um, less in the last year, I would say, yeah. but for four of the last five years, they have been very close and very helpful. Definitely. Um, yeah, so that's that when it comes to, um, I guess, balancing balance. it all. <laughs> and um, what is balance? I think for, for one thing, Luke, uh, as, as a husband, has established pretty early, like what's the order that he wants to establish for this family. And it was always, you know, um, God, family, and then everything else after that. God, family, business, profession. Thank you, honey. See, that's how I know that you brought this up <laughs> and established it. So, yeah, as long as it falls in that order, it, it also tends to streamline um, things a bit there. Right. Um, and yeah. their interlocking circles of all of the above could be in each other, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, family could have a business dynamic. Um, could have a professional dynamic, could have a spiritual dynamic, you know, but the priority is always thinking of, um, you know, God's purposes within a lot of the decisions that we make. Can you repeat that question? What about COVID-19? I just asked, how has it shifted or rearranged your daily schedule? It's turned it upside down. Uh <laughs> in, what, in what respect? Um, so for me personally, I thrive in an environment where I can compartmentalize um, different activities. So I did very well, you know, getting him ready for school, you know, um, getting him to school and then heading to work where I focused on work and then got home and focused on him. But now I'm forced to um, go back and forth throughout the day and yeah it's very hard it was hard um so there's a few things you know this is a very isolating um situation uh like jana says we're not able to truly compartmentalize our lives it, it's all one big mush and you don't realize just the act of getting up getting out the house walking to the train in, in my in my scenario mm -hmm gives you personal space time, you know, could be an hour, could be two hours, both ways. Um, so it's been very hard for us uh, to manage full-time jobs at home uh, with a five-year-old on a Zoom schedule of classes. Like a full day from nine and, to three. you know, we had to very early on realize that we cannot complete the schedule. We'll do whatever we can and squeeze it into our workday because we are the teachers um, that have to guide him through this work. Um, you know, uh, in terms of work versus home chores, um, I've made some positive adjustments just from being here more that I've picked up a, you know, five times more 
um, uh, home-related work, helping around the house, cooking, whatever that I would not have otherwise done a lot of, because by the time I come home, a lot of these tasks um, are done by Janelle because she lives pretty close to work. Um, so there's been some positive adjustments, but you know, balancing the lack of activity. I'm a very social person. I don't get a lot of activity in based on my schedule already, but whenever I do commit to something, whether it be you know, playing club volleyball one night a week, at least that's something that I'm doing, all of that is cut. You know, I would have random social events, a work dinner, meeting up with a friend for a half an hour after work, none of that, right? So for me, as a social person who doesn't like to be stuck in the house, I had some mental health crises. Um, and balancing mental health is something I will always now advocate uh, because I've been a lot more conscious of it over the last two years. I myself got sick during COVID, right? So balance that, right? All the media, all the fear, um, a wife that is um, a pre-planner and almost like a germaphobe already. Um, and then you add the COVID situation and she had to get me back healthy while quarantining me within a very restrictive, isolated situation to begin with. <laughs> Right, so tough, but um, I'm grateful to God that I made it. I'm grateful to all the home remedies that my wife cooked up and brought me back with. Um, so all crazy stuff. It's good that you mentioned mental health because I think now more than ever, more people are starting to pay attention, whereas they would have chucked it up to I'm just having a bad day or yeah. you know, blamed it on Especially something. Especially in the Christian community. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. We're quick to say something cliche, mm -hmm. talk about a quick prayer in the scripture. Yeah. You wrestle not against flesh and blood. Like, you still, just like you go to the doctor and you got a physical, you need to take care of your mental health. Yeah. And I think I was kind of forced to based on stress levels two years ago and I've never stopped since you know mm -hmm. I have a weekly therapist and I'll advocate it for all yeah she's in therapy I'm telling you that has been like my 2020 goal <laughs> find <Right>. a therapist <laughs> um another thing that you brought up um outside of this is having your support system and I know that like in this whole COVID time, a lot of us are kind of isolated within our, our homes. Can you talk about what it took or how willing you were just to reach out to someone that either you talk to on a daily basis or just to have like regular check-ins with family? So, okay. So because of social distancing, I didn't have that much physical contact with my support system. But I definitely had them um, ev like almost every day or maybe twice a day would be reaching out to me. Um, I would say, I felt like for me personally, I felt like I was doing more of the checking up for my support system only maybe because I'm, I was kind of uh, concerned during the, the height of COVID. And um, just wanted to make sure everybody was okay. Um, I think for me particularly, 
what I've realized is just that it's super important for me to really have my alone time. Like, I'm, I just came back from a family um, vacation, but I really want my solo vacation. Just by myself. <laughs> just by myself. <laughs> um, I think... First, this is the thing about COVID. COVID, um, unfortunately, required each household to man their fort mm -hmm. um, independently. Unfortunately, um, in, in as much as I did, I I could always call on my parents. Like right now, I will not call them at a. It has to be an absolute squeeze. Like I'm not calling. Oh, I just want to take a walk. Yeah. My mom is the essential worker. My dad has his own underlying health conditions. I'm not trying to complicate any uh, <laughs> situations right now. Um, so I've actually taken this situation very seriously, um, especially having to get him back to 100% health um, in the middle of COVID was, um, it wasn't stressful because I actually enjoyed <laughs> putting all of my knowledge mm -hmm. to use. Mm -hmm. Like for years, he's been fighting me about Lord health foods. God. And, you know, I had everything oh, ready. The I was like, and the ginger well, and the turmeric. <laughs> you're here, and here is the solution, honey. Drink it all. I'm coming back yeah. three more times today. That's and you're Jonathan. gonna need to drink some more. Mm -hmm. That's just what it was. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, I think for me particularly, um, to answer your question, it definitely was comforting to have them at least call twice a day, um, even though we didn't have the physical support. Um, but yeah. Yeah, for me, um, I've always had my parents as my backbone outside of my marriage circle. Um, you know, COVID didn't make it any more close. I think they always check in. I always check in periodically. Um, I did get a lot more calls when people found out that I was sick. Um, I have an aunt here to call me every day for 10 days. My sister, I have my older sister here. I'm number two of six. John was number one of four, by the way. And um, so we have a lot of siblings. Um, I think Zoom opened up a lot of doors for connection in ways that we would not have thought of it. Um, I've had sessions with my family. I've had a full Zoom session for Father's Day. Um, with my dad, graduation, you know, like my siblings are in multiple countries. Yeah, um, same here. And they were all there, you know, sort of cool. We could have done it before, but COVID kind of made that the new normal. Mm -hmm. um, we've had birthday parties celebrating an aunt of mine who's 75 years old. Um, you know, funeral, um, you know, 300 people plus. Uh, the birthday party was 70 plus people that we might not have seen otherwise. Um, so support system has expanded 
uh, and the opportunity for connection virtually through Zoom and other platforms, um, you know, has given us more options. Uh, although there is no, um, there's no duplicate for physical content. Mm -hmm. you know? I realized for me with my family, um, my niece had me download Netflix Party and Scrivener, and so we've been watching Netflix together. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So she'll FaceTime me and tell me that she's ready for me to log in. <laughs> right, right. I know of people who've done that, right? Watch movies together, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a lot of like Zooms, and it's, I probably do a Zoom way too many times within a week. It's probably like every day. It's, it's crazy, but. I mean, it's the, it's the connection, whether it's me joining a, a Zoom for like a writing challenge for like right. an hour or whether it's me joining Zoom because I'm just having a conversation with someone who doesn't want to use the phone, who wants to see my face and not use FaceTime. Right. You know, yeah, that connected with two friends who would probably only come to New York two times a year um, via Zoom during COVID um, more recently in the last month. So, yeah. I think it's a way to connect. For sure. Um, there was something else that you mentioned along the lines of spiritual life that I wanted to touch on because obviously um, more people are using Facebook Lives and IGs and still Periscope, which I find really interesting because I haven't seen a Periscope in I don't know how long, but someone was watching one today. Um, how do you think um, the church is handling this isolation from an actual building i mean the church that we fellowship at has done an amazing job of connecting with us connecting with the community and seem to be getting better every week you know um i mean the word is the same but the technology keeps improving you can see the difference in quality and speed and programming in professionalism and how it's put together. Um, so that's one thing. I think for both myself and Janelle for years, we've connected um, to whatever feeds us, which is the word of God, right? So we follow uh, prominent leaders who help us in specific ways via YouTube for years, right? Um, live Facebook and YouTube channels. Um, so this sort of just amplified that a little bit more, but we were already in that practice of, you know, listening to sermons, listening to talks, um, whatever the case may be. So now that church is online, it's not the same as being in a church building. Uh, I don't think I could ever just want to be home watching a television screen. Um, you know, does the Holy Spirit still move in your living room off of the screen? Absolutely. But there's something about being gathered together physically in one place, hearing the sound and response of people to the word of God, to worship. There's something electric about that, you know? that no perfect surround sound in your house could ever capture, even if they could capture all the sounds from all of our microphones and bounce it back to us in this beautiful <laughs> response. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, 
we, we've seen churches rise to the challenge. We're comfortable uh, with our home church and how they've handled the crisis. They're a very responsible church, um, very grounded in outreach in the community. So they care very deeply about the community and they're politically connected as well. So they follow guidelines and do the right thing, you know, um, long before most did. Um, so we're happy about that. Yeah. Um, for me, just like Luke said, I don't think it's, um, there's a replacement for um, fellowship with one another because that's how we connect as a body. And also, also the, the office of the presbytery, you know, if you need someone to pray for you, I think it's different when somebody's physically there with you as opposed to over the phone with you. Um, you know, yeah, it's just different. Um, so for the meantime, we are, you know, I, we under, understand the situation. But we, I do understand also it's not a replacement. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. So for the specific situation, this will work. But once everything goes back, well, it won't be exactly the same. But once we're able to adjust um, from here on out, I do think that you know, we'll value our physical fellowship even more. I heard um, someone, I was watching someone on Facebook Live yesterday that said that the enemy tried to close down the church, but what he didn't realize is that we didn't need a building. Right. And the person was actually doing, he was on Facebook Live, but they were doing a service in Washington Square Park. Nice. I thought that was really cool, because when I was watching, they were baptizing people in the fountain in Washington Square Park. Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. I mean, right. cops around, but the cops still allowed it, so... Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, Washington Square Park by mm -hmm. NYU. Yep. In, in the in the <laughs> in the pond, I guess. In right? the pond? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Fountain water. Great <laughs> Jesus. Hey. hey. Whatever works. You need Jesus and some light song, praise God. <laughs> <laughs> that's my wife. my wife would be spraying down those people. <laughs> I'm praying for them. <laughs> That's I don't know what he's talking about. I didn't go for my mouth. Anyway. Um, oh, Lord. Yeah. I, I do think, this is what I think. I think social media and, and what we're having right now is how we can um, get bigger nets. In right. other words, we're, we're expanding our outreach, but the way we bring them to the hospital and actually care for them is not going to be over the internet. Right. Does that make sense? Right. So we may be able to reach out and um, I want to say um, expand safe souls, number of safe souls, but there's going to be some actual work. And when I say work, I don't, I don't think on a long-term basis as you grow your, or you mature in Christ, you can continue to just be online. That, that's just my thing. Because one of the ways that you grow in Christ is you also serve. How do you continue serving? Online. Online. Right. Right. I, I don't know. It's just a little but, different. Right. How yeah. do you walk around and minister to people online? How do you give out food to the poor online? <laughs> right? You, you still need 
physical things to do together. Um, eating a meal with somebody, yeah. fellowship, you know, breaking bread was a normal custom throughout the Bible, you know, and breaking bread online is not the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw my church trying to do communion last week. It was yeah, interesting. That was sad. It was. <laughs> <laughs> I love my church, but communion was interesting last week. Yeah, just pick up a piece of bread, whatever you have in the house. Mm -hmm. Yep. Go get some more juice. Get some juice. Doesn't have to be grape juice. <laughs> it's just different. Yeah, um, the real thing, man. <laughs> because he's young, is are you guys expressive in the way to kind of navigate how he's feeling or how he's doing, or is it just like? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good question. Um, yeah. So we talk him through a lot of things and how he's feeling. Um, and we've had to realize some of the behaviors he's begun to exhibit are based on stress of being locked in with no social contact with his friends, right? Um, so, you know, he's a little bit more irritable. He's, he was never an irritable type of a child. Um, he's a million times more whiny. Yeah, it was uh, good. He's, not a, he's a very pleasant child. Yeah, that's um, not his So to see him sort of like being whiny and, you know, a little miserable at times, it's, you know, made us actually do some research, you know, because we didn't just want to talk to him or get upset with him or tell him, and you really need to get it together. Um, he is really sought after our physical presence more, even within the house, in ways that we just don't get it. Like, you're past that phase. You're five years old. But we realize it's, it's related to the stress of being locked in where just moving room to room, this kid would want to follow us, you know? And um, we've had to come to realize he just needs that physical contact. He needs to not be alone. He started to talk about, I feel alone. I said, hey, what do you mean you feel alone? We're three of us in the same room. <laughs> you feel alone. Um, but, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's been interesting. He started to dream. Um, and we would, John Hill has done a much better job. Usually I'm pretty good at teasing Aiden out as a child on his level, but John has been very good with the dreams, kind of figuring out like, what did you dream? How did you feel? What did you do next? And she's gotten him to relay like whole dreams. And then right. we kind of help based on how we felt in certain parts of the dream walk him through how he should react even in his dream if this happens again right you know? so i'm very keen um about you know the mind of such a young child they're young but they're still little people mm -hmm. and i wholeheartedly believe that even at this age they can have very prophetic visions and i'm not going to take it for granted um in any way shape or form so if he is persistent about a specific image he keeps seeing, I'm going to go in. We're going to have some serious conversations. We're going to be praying. We're going to make some declarations. I'm, I'm telling him, you know, straight up where, what his purpose is on this earth because this is not a time 
to, I guess, play around. You know, tomorrow is not promised to anybody. I don't know what the future holds, but I want to make sure at every step of the way he's properly equipped. Right. And the so, equipment is huge. Like right. we give him tools, right? Even at his age, um, to speak to things that he sees. You know. Um, John was able to find even kids' versions of Bible stories on YouTube. Right. So maybe be David and Goliath or Jonah or whoever. Right. So right now he's at a stage where superheroes are um, poignant to his childhood. Like I want him to be um, aware, though, that the superheroes that he should be aware of were in the Bible long before there was Spider-Man or Batman. Batman. I don't want any. He knows that Spider-Man and Batman, is, that's fiction. Right. He knows He'll that. tell you He'll that they're tell not, that they're not right. real. But I want him to know that David was real. I want him to know that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, and the Lion's Den, and, you know, you know. And Ruth, and Esther. I want those superheroes to be in the forefront of his mind. And it's become more of his language, his verbiage, even when I think he probably forgot it. He'll spit it out at you and he'll surprise you. Like, yes, right. he does get the concept. Right. Right. So up to last week, he, I, was at, I was left at, at home while the two, the two men of the house went to get something at the supermarket. And he looks at me through the window. He says, Mommy, you got this. Jesus is with you. Bye. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> Like, yeah, I hope you remember that when it's time for you to go to the bathroom. Okay. So, you know, <laughs> I am I am I am very intentional. Right. I I I plan with the best goals in mind. I, I I my parents explained to me from a very young age that you don't have successful children by chance. Even if you're born with it, you have to cultivate it. Right. And so, you know, it takes work. It takes input in young mind, into young minds to get, you know, successful, productive adults. And, you know, I don't want to find myself slacking. If it's, if it's one thing I cannot mess up, it's motherhood. And so COVID has forced me to be even more um, proactive, keen, and, and um, I guess also compassionate. He's also five, and he's still trying to articulate. So I have to be patient. <laughs> Because five-year-olds can go on and on until you get to the real crux of the matter. Um, but, yeah, patient in the process as you... Right. you, you um, we were also a lot more socially justice-oriented as parents in ways that we did not have to think of, even as teenagers in Guyana, you know? Um, so we are a lot more aware of the context within which we are raising um, a young black boy and although we don't bring those pressures to bear on him, mm-hmm. you know, we still make sure that we're equipping him with the tools um, and that he's aware of right and wrong, good and bad. Right. And so kindness to, and love. Right. You know? So before, the thing is we have to be very um, mindful that before we start talking about George Floyd and all the negative right. stuff that's going yeah, on, he doesn't know about that. we need to have a solid foundation um, right. on the word of God right. and, his, and, his, and his identity. Right. His is. identity needs to be solidified right. before we talk about anything else. Right. Because I don't want any feelings of insecurity, any, you know, I don't, I, which may be attempted to be imposed on him. Correct. Right. So yeah. I, I've been mindful in the way I structure um, 
conversations about, um, you know, what's going on in the world. Right. I'm filtering it carefully, not because I, I want to overprotect my son, right. but his identity is still being molded, right. the image of his own self. I have to be mindful what words I use, what, you know, um, right. images I portray. I, I'm, I'm very careful with stuff like that. Right. When the time is right, and it will probably be fairly soon, between now and seven years old, to get a better idea. But for right now, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm just working on his self-identity. Yeah. yeah. Have you guys had an opportunity through all of this that's happened this year um, to have a chance to like journal, write, reflect? Creatively. Really, we're working on it. Um, I've written down a few thoughts. Um, it's something we need to do a lot more uh, because we're in a phase of our growth, personal growth and growth in God, where we kind of realize a lot of people don't get the perspective that we share as Bible-believing, spirit-filled believers who are very practical about what needs to be done in our world. And more and more, we're realizing that maybe this is something that we were created to do um, since we're so passionate about it. And just trying to see how that fits into the general purpose of our lives and how we could be more impactful for the kingdom. Um, so all tough so for me i've been yes i've been journaling a bit as the thoughts come um what i've been noticing for myself specifically is that um i have more questions mm -hmm. um, a lot of what i thought were black and white areas now did a little bit more clarification that has sent me to do a little bit more studying especially in the word of god right um you know for me i'm an immigrant um, I, I would not profess to have the complete knowledge of um, everything African-American history or American history was American history. And so I always, whenever I have a little, um, I'm not sure about something, I'm, I'm, I'm don't have, I have no issues doing my research mm -hmm. and then, you know, reassessing the information I have or what I've now found and then you know, um, just clearing that up. Um, so I have been journaling. Uh, I don't think I spoke to him about it, but um, I, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think for me personally, um, this season has definitely had allowed me to have a lot more questions. Um, and again, because we're in isolation, I don't have everybody's ear. So I've had to go do the research um, to get those answers. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, this is a whole lot of Zoom session if you want to go into that. But we think more and more um, individuals are stuck in these binary constructs. Yeah. And they really do not understand complexity. They do not understand nuance and they certainly don't understand something that i've come to grips with in the last couple of years there's something called both and not either or both and we need to do both of these things 
We need to wrestle that against flesh and blood. <laughs> and we need to go march to the courthouse. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, and it's so crazy. To, to, to us, it's so simple. But there are these people who are stuck in these either or yeah, extremes. And it's like, you know, you can do both of these things. Right. I think even more recently, it was, um, it was stark in terms of it's either we fight against police brutality or we fight black on black crime. And look who's like, we go work on both. <laughs> I don't know, we fight. This is not a debate about which right. one comes first. It's like, we it's can, like the We egg. construct <laughs> the police force and their training and the level of militarization and address, you know, systemic inequitable practices. Mm -hmm. It's, it's just, it's just very good. And also understanding that they're both related. They're right. not exclusive. Right. They're both, right. we have a Venn diagram. They're, they're subsets. So, right, right. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a whole other Zoom, man. Well, I thank you guys very, very much for your time. I hope we shed light on something. Yeah, a lot, a lot. Cool. Well, call us anytime.